mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Heroes. His scripture text will be taken from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 32 through 37. Here now, Pastor Moody. I want to just uh, preach a little bit this morning. If you want to be going to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to preach a little while, but just before he puts the scripture up, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about Memorial Day. And uh, uh, our, I thought like this, that Memorial Day used to be called Decoration Day. And uh, it was really a federal, it's a federal holiday in the United States for honoring and mourning the military personnel who've died in performance of their military duties while serving the United States of America in armed forces. Now, the holiday is uh, observed on the last Monday of May. Used to be it was set in stone on May the 30th, Memorial Day, every year. And that was from 1868 after the Civil War up to about 1970. And then they changed it to the third or to the last Monday. And the holiday's origins are really uncertain where it actually started. But we do know that it started at the end of the Civil War. And traditions of uh, decorating graves of fallen soldiers uh, began to happen in different places across the country. And uh, it was then that national cemeteries like Arlington, and we have one over here in Jessamine County, that were established just for the purpose of honoring military heroes that had fallen. And uh, I found this out that there were a lot of cities in the north and the south who literally claimed that they were the originators of Decoration Day. The truth was that nobody knows except for the fact that there was, a, there was a passion across America to honor the men of the Civil War, North and South, who had died. Now, I want to say this. Uh, there's a lot of things that have happened in our American history that today have become very controversial. But the one thing that we need to remember is that every freedom you have, amen, a soldier got it for you. Not a politician, but a soldier. Somebody say amen. Somebody gave their life for every freedom that you have. And uh, so we thought, when we look back at history, the World Wars uh, turned into a, uh, you know, just a generalized day of remembrance for all of them. You know, the World Wars, the Korean War, Vietnam. And uh, so in 1971, Congress standardized Memorial Day. Well, since then as well, it's also been adapted to honor not just military heroes, but all of us. Most of the time, most Americans, they honor their loved ones who've lived, you know, and gone to be with the Lord. And I've thought about what a great Memorial Day there should be in the church. When we think about saints of God who've walked this way before us, who blazed a trail, who walked in the power of the Spirit and kept Pentecost alive, kept the Holy Ghost power moving in, in the country and around the world. And so Memorial Day to me is, is always a very special day. I, I, I don't just think about military heroes, but I think about 
gospel heroes. I think about family heroes. How many of you have had people in your lives, maybe a special grandparent or somebody that, that just literally held up a standard of faith that you look to that person and say, that's what Christianity is really all about. We've all had those people, amen? And I, I thank God for that. And uh, so I, I just want to preach a little while today, and, and this is the thought the Lord gave me. I'm, I'm going to just kind of cover the whole gamut the military, the church, the families. I'm just going to preach on heroes today. Is that all right? I'm just going to talk about heroes if I can for a while. Heroes of the faith. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, I'm not, I'm not preaching from there today, but that's a great, just a great record of the heroes of the faith from the Word of God. And then it goes into chapter 12 and said, we're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. All these wonderful folks who've lived for God before us and and uh, I, I won't get start talking about, the, I don't guess I will much about the ones who've personally impacted me, cause, but I could stand up here all day and call name after name after name. When I started, that really kind of helped me see where I was going with Jesus, amen? So uh, if you have your Bibles, I wanna, I'm going to talk about David today, and when David fought Goliath in the Valley of Elah, and it's not just a Sunday school story, but it's a story of a champion. Can you say amen? A hero of the faith. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. And uh, I'm going to start in verse number 32. Amen. The Bible said, David said to Saul, you can stand if you want to. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. Let me translate. Don't be afraid because of this giant, because of him. For thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you're just a youth, you're just a boy. And he's a man of war from his youth, amen. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and I smote him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And then when he wrote, in other words, he knocked him down and he wasn't dead. And when he got back up and came against me, I caught him by the beard. Does anybody feel like grabbing a lion by the beard today? I caught him by the beard, amen, and I smote him and slew him or I killed him. I put him down, amen, hallelujah. And uh, so David's just rehearsing to Saul exactly what God did, amen. He said, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised, let me translate that, this ungodly, this non-covenant, unholy Philistine, you all see a giant, I just see a devil, that's what he was saying, shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Listen to verse 37, David said, moreover the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine, and Saul, the king of Israel, said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Can I tell you all it takes to make an ordinary boy, an ordinary girl, an ordinary man, an ordinary woman, a champion, a hero, is for God to go with you. I'm going to preach on heroes this morning. Amen. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Use us and anoint us for a few moments and we'll give you praise for all you've done. Thank you for what you've already said, how you've already moved in the house. And God, just let us be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. You know, Memorial Day weekend, we as Americans honor people. We look back 
on people who have been heroes to our country, to our lives. I've been to Washington, D.C. A, a couple of times. One of the most moving moments of my life, literally, was when I went to Washington, D.C., and, and I saw you know, the war memorials and all of that. But when we went to Arlington National Cemetery, and I walked through those rows of those crosses, and I read some of the names, and they kind of pointed you out to some of the most decorated men of history, Sergeant York from World War I, Audie Murphy from World War II, who received Congressional Medal of Honor. And then there were others from Vietnam, from Korea, men who, and women who served beyond their natural ability and, and literally saved the lives and promoted the life that we live now. And I thought about our history. There are those that would like to divide us, use our history to divide us. Yet it seems like this time of the year that, that this day, I, I really believe that, I believe that no matter what political aff affiliation people might be, there's just something about honoring those who paid for what you've got that, that at times, or it should at least, pull people together. Some of our presidents, Barack Obama, said this, he said, our nation owes a debt to its fallen heroes that we can never fully repay. Never fully repay. It costs something to live, amen, in the lifestyle that we live. John Kennedy said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget the highest appreciation and it is not to utter the words, but to live the life, amen, of a free people that's been afforded to us. Amen. Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy, Amen. Said this. He said, never throughout history has a man lived a life of ease and left a name worth remembering. <laughs> Think about that. Those who leave names worth remembering sacrifice, amen, for the needs and the well-being of others. Franklin Roosevelt said, those who have, in, have long enjoyed the privileges that we live in, amen, we should never forget all of those who died to win those privileges for us. And I could go on and on. We have, I thought right here in Kentucky, in Madison County, we've had great heroes that lived among us from the various wars of the past and even the present wars. And heroes are made of better stuff, can you say, man, than those who just enjoy the freedoms and criticize everything and everybody. Amen, the freedoms that have been bought at such a high price. And I thought like this today, if there was ever a time in America's history, we need some heroes. We need some champions. We need some heroes who will champion freedom, who will champion, like Dr. King did, civil rights and equal rights in a way that makes a difference. We need heroes that, that will champion the faith, amen, that we live in as America. Can I get a witness? We're still one nation under God. Hallelujah. That's still in our pledge of allegiance. And we need people that instead of causing controversy, that stand up in the anointing and, and with purpose and understand that there's a God that can make a difference, amen, Amen, we're, we're in a time now where, where it seems like that, that the moral fiber of our country is being unraveled. Does anybody else see that? We're living in a time now where it seems like that a generation of our young people are facing an onslaught from hell. They're being barraged with drugs 
They're being barraged with ungodliness from the entertainment world. They're being barraged, are you hearing me? Uh, and even in an education system, and especially in higher education, well, with a system that tries to turn people away from the very thing they need, and that's a God that sits on a throne and rules in the hearts of men. I think we need champions today like Billy Graham stood up in his generation when he walked out of Bible college and seminary and a group of young men were talking with him that had just done the same. And one of them said, you know, one of, the, one of my mentors told me this, if you try to stay too close to the Bible, you'll offend people. If you try to really preach salvation too strong, people will, will discredit you. But if you want to be successful, you've got to be socially accepted. And Billy Graham sat there under a shade tree, sipping on iced tea, listening to that man talk on their graduation day. And I read his, his biography, and Billy Graham said, you go the way you want to. But as for me, I'm going to take the path I know. I'm going to preach the word of God, and my goal is to reach the world with the cause of Christ. Come on, have me admit, that's a hero. Hallelujah. And we need more of those today. Glory. Amen. So I, I want to go back today and just look uh, at the life of, or a moment in the life of David, the greatest king that Israel had ever seen and perhaps the world had ever seen until Jesus comes and sits on the throne. And I saw some things in David's life that I'd like to see in the body of Christ today. First of all, I want to tell you about heroes. They overcome fear. They overcome fear. David, the Bible says, and this description of him was a ruddy boy. He was a youth, which means he wasn't a fully developed man. Yet the Spirit of God, the Bible said, had, appeared, had departed from Saul and had moved upon David. I want you to think about that. With that anointing, Nick, he would play instruments and drive out demon spirits. He'd sit out in the shepherd's field watching his father's sheep and, and write songs, amen, that we know as psalms. And one of them, amen, became a hit. It was called, The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He causes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. And, and from that, then he said, amen, that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and his rod and staff comfort me can you say amen and here's this little boy saying yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil and it's believed that he wrote that psalm before this battle with Goliath and maybe he didn't know it but he was writing an anthem song for a battle that was going to change the course of history because when he walked into that, that battlefield that day all of Israel was scared to death can you say amen but here's a boy, amen, that's decided to be a champion. In Proverbs 29 and 25, your Bible said the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Amen. I was watched a little video clip this week of Todd Hoskins preaching in his church and he was talking about all the stuff that's going on in America today and you know what he kept saying? Don't panic. Amen. Don't panic. Are you hearing me? You keep your eyes on what men are doing and what the media is saying and fear will overtake you. Amen. But the Proverbs writer said, but when you put your trust in the Lord, amen, there's a security that comes 
comes, amen. Woo, no matter what you're facing today, I want to tell you, I want to repeat what Pastor Hoskins said. Don't panic, amen. Amen, let God give you courage. You can overcome fear, hallelujah. Give him praise if you would, hallelujah. In chapter 17, verse 10 of this chapter, it said, the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel to give me a man that we might fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words that the Philistines said, the Bible said they were dismayed. They were undone. They began to come apart at the seams is what that means. And it says, and they were greatly afraid. Down in verse 22, the scripture said David had showed up and he heard the challenge of the giant and it said that David left his, his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, ran into the army, came and saluted his brothers and as he talked with them, the, the, there came up the champion Goliath, amen, by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spoke the same words and it said that David heard them. Verse 24 said all the men of Israel, amen, they saw the man, watch this, and they fled from him. Listen, fear can dismantle an army. Uh, you didn't hear me. I said fear can render an army powerless. Amen. Fear can cause men to abandon their post. But I thank God, amen, that they, we, in our lives, in my life, there's been some saints of God who walked this way in ministry before me. Amen. They said, if you'll stand your ground, God will stand with you. If you'll preach truth, God, amen, will bring results, amen, at the conclusion of the message. Are you hearing me? If you'll stand up and be a witness for somebody. I, I love what Dylan said when he prayed for that young man we were talking about. God honored that prayer, amen, to the point that he, amen, he showed that boy at four o'clock in the morning while he was driving up a road of vision, amen, of God's glory and let him see what he was missing out on. I'm telling you, oh, we don't need any more cowards, amen, in Christianity today, but we need men and women that'll stand up and say Jesus is Lord. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We need men and women that'll stand up and say God can set you free and bring you out of the bondage that you're in. Can I tell you, the cross, the old rugged cross is still the place of redemption and every sin can be forgiven. Hallelujah. We need those kind of preachers today. When David saw him flee, verse 32 David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. Don't, don't give up. Don't panic, amen, because of thy servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. So David had to overcome fear. The second thing I want to tell you about heroes is they, they draw from their past experiences. Wouldn't you like to just been there and saw the reaction on Saul's face? When David said, well, I'm more than a guitar player. Amen. He played a harp. It was an instrument historically that was really where they think the design for acoustic guitars came from. He didn't carry a big harp out, you know, and do this. He, this was an instrument. David, apparently, they say David made. And I could, I'd just love to see the, 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 the expression on, on Saul's face because God changed David into another man. He had to. If you think about it, David at that time had been anointed. He had already been going into Saul's palace and, and playing the instrument and driving demons out. And yet Saul, when he saw this, he said, who is this boy? He didn't recognize him. 
David's standing there not talking about music and not listening to Saul rehearse his problems about demon spirits. He's standing there saying, I was in the field watching my father's sheep and a lion and a bear came up. Now, not, not together, I don't think, but individually. And he said, when they came up and took out one of the sheep, I got my sling and I went out to battle and I knocked down a lion and I knocked down a bear and when they rose up, I grabbed him by the and I slew that lion. I killed that bear. And knew what he said then? Saul, I want you to understand something. The same God that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, amen, will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hand. I want to tell the world the same church, amen, amen, that moved after Azusa Street and took the gospel to the world, the same church, amen, that saw the charismatic renewal of the 60s and 70s that same church is going to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our day and God's going to make a difference amen we can draw from the experiences of the past can I tell somebody I've seen him move I've seen him move mountains I've seen him pull down strongholds we sing about walls falling brother Nick I've seen them fall I've heard chains falling I've seen God set the captives free hallelujah give him praise if you would Woo! y'all excuse me in my excitement I can't help myself when I think about his mercy and what he's done for me I could shout all day long. Come on, somebody. And when the enemy rises up, I'm not going to run. I'm going to step on the whole and remind the devil what Jesus did then. He'll do now. Can you say, man? He'll do now. Hallelujah. The enemy has come in ways that you cannot imagine. And in my early days, being a kid preacher, starting out, having a little bit of persecution and thought it was a little tough. Some of those men, I'm thinking about Philip Payne this morning. I was a young preacher and he called me aside one day. Just, I don't know why he didn't. Well, I do know God knew what I needed to hear. And he said, I want to tell you a story of what happened to me. And he started telling me a story about a group that organized an attack against him. Amen. And when he was pastoring a little church that nobody thought was going to do anything, but souls were getting saved and people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and miracles were happening. And some people came in with a, with a set up deal to try to undermine what God was doing in that house. And, and he related that story to me. I won't go into the details, but he said, man, when God moved, he said there was a shout that came in the house. And when the shout came in, he said, it scared the devil out of those that had come to <laughs> I want to tell you he's the same God can you say amen give him praise in the house so heroes draw from their past experiences don't be afraid king I got this <laughs> have you ever been around people that you knew that they really had it I mean everybody else is freaking out in this and they're like this ain't nothing but a thing because my God is God. Are you hearing me? My God is God. So when we think about this, heroes draw from their past experiences. But they also draw from, listen, from available 
resources. I want to tell you that God's got some stuff within reach for us. Let me believe that. You, you might be looking at something right now, a giant. It's a giant to you. It might be financial. It might be your marriage. It might be your health. No matter what it might be, there are giants that are standing in front of you. And, and, and we've heard people talk about what God did in the past. And we even remember what God did in the past for us. But can I tell you, Hebrews 13 and 8 said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and tomorrow. Oh, and don't forget today. Look at somebody and say, today. Ooh, I dare you tell somebody, Jesus is Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, look at somebody and say, God is God. <laughs> Woo, you ain't said it. Look at somebody and say, the Holy Ghost is still the Holy Ghost. And so we have available resources now. And one of the resources that, that David had was this incredible faith in God. I mean, God poured his spirit out on him. The Bible said it abode with him from that day forward. And so he's playing music and he's driving out demons and he's writing prophetic utterances and, and songs and, 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 and he's killing lions and he's killing bears. And isn't that an awesome thing? But if all you do is sit around and tell stories of the past, you're probably not going to accomplish much now. So David has this faith in God. And I like what verse 36 said. He said, I did kill a bear. And I did kill a lion. But I'm telling you now, say that with me now, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. In other words, they're dead. He's going to be dead. You know, the Bible said that, Hebrews 11, said that now faith, it didn't say yesterday's faith or hope, tomorrow's hope. It said now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And David said, this guy's defied the armies of the living God. In Numbers 14 and 8, God uh, spoke to, uh, to Moses and said this. He said, if the Lord delights, Moses said, if the Lord delights in us, he, Joshua and Caleb had just come out with the spies, and the people were murmuring against because 10 of the spies gave a bad report. Joshua and Caleb's trying to convince them. And it was Joshua said, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, here's what you need to know. Old Rex Hudson preached a message one time here in the church before he died. And he preached what you need to know before you go. Before you leave this world, how I many knows there's something you really need to know? And he talked about Enoch, and he said Enoch walked with God, and God took him one day and translated him to heaven. And in Hebrews 11, it's talking about Enoch, and here's what it said. It says, because before his translation, before God took him, he had this testimony, and that testimony was this. He pleased God. And old brother Rex said, there's something you need to know before you go. And that is simply that you please God. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You can't please God by your own works because our righteousness is like filthy rags and you're not saved by works but by grace. The only way you can please God is to be accepted in the beloved, to give your heart to Jesus, to let the Holy Spirit guide you and not fulfill the fears and the lust of the flesh, but to walk after the Spirit. Amen. And so David had this idea that I can trust God because I haven't failed God. And God has used me and he'll use me again. And Joshua said, God will do this and take us to the land flows of milk and honey. In Psalms 27, David said this. He said, some 
trust in chariots and some in horses, but we just remember the name of the Lord. How many remembers the name of the Lord? You got a problem? Anybody here got a problem? Just kind of wait. I got some stuff going on right now. Be honest. Just raise your hand. There's some stuff I'm dealing with. I got an answer for you. Repeat after me. Jesus. I can't hear you. Repeat after me. Jesus. Well, you just keep saying Jesus in the face of your enemy. David didn't look at Goliath and say, David, no. He said, I've got a God that has moved and he's going to move again. That's faith. Adam sitting back there had a heart attack that went on for how long? For two weeks he was having an ongoing heart attack. We didn't know how serious it was. We were at the hospital with him that day in Lexington, and they, they took him in, and, and uh, I believe it was on, maybe it was on, it must have been on a church night or something, because I had to get back, and, and VBS was going on, and I was, and I was trying, and I stayed as long as I could, and I, and I left, and I'm on the way back, and his mother calls me frantically and says, you've got to come back. They're saying there's no hope. They're saying it's over for Adam. And so I wheeled the car around, and, and t- I actually did an illegal turnaround on the interstate. If there's any police officers in here, I'm sorry. I found a, a turnaround spot illegal. I turned around, and I made my way back to that hospital. And the, the, the picture was bleak, and the picture looked terrible. But how many knows we still had a God that had a word to say? Hallelujah. And God brought Adam through it. And he's sitting here today with a healthy heart. Hallelujah. And, whoo, come on, somebody. I'm telling you now, faith is what we, we don't need something. It's good to remember, but God, we need Jesus. We needed him yesterday. We need him today, and we're going to need him forever. So they had this faith, a resource to draw from. And no wonder David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How many can say that? Well, Jesus has done brought me through so many times. So many times. You know, this time last year, we were all living in the middle of the strength of the pandemic. We were living in the reality of it and, and what it had done. You know, I, I heard a preacher talking this week, and he said something that uh, was kind of just on a talk show type format of a group of, of preachers at a, at a conference. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, in 14 days, 15 men dismantled the economy and the, stra- and the military, oper- not the military, but the governing operations of the world. In 14 days, 15 men took control of the world. And he said seven of them, at least seven of them, were not even world leaders. Are you hearing me? I'm not going to get political and go into a lot of stuff. But I'm just here to tell you, we were in the throes of something that I believe that didn't just come from Wuhan. Come on, somebody. And that's where it came from. Trust me. Are you, here? Are you ready for this? It came from hell. It came from Satan himself. He was just showing how easy it's going to be for the Antichrist to take over this world. But there's one thing that's caused him trouble. And you're sitting in the middle of it. You're part of it. It's a blood-bought, sanctified, spirit-filled, God-fearing, Jesus-loving, gospel-preaching church. And the Antichrist can't get control until we're gone. Are you hearing me? So don't panic. Don't be afraid. David drew from the resource of faith. The third thing I want to say about heroes is this. They're adaptable. They overcome obstacles. There's some people in this room that's older than I am. 
And there's some people in this room younger than I am. But I guarantee you, every one of you have already had to overcome a bunch of obstacles in life. Come on, somebody, to get where you are. And some of you are going to have to overcome some obstacles. Because the world, all that's in the world, listen to me, all that's in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All that's in the world is a system. Are you hearing me? That's why Jesus said, love not the world nor the things that's in it. When he said love not the world, he's not talking about don't love people. God wants you to love people. But he's saying keep yourself away from that system that hell organized that's to draw you away from faith in God. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the best laid plans of man and say this is what life is all about. When in reality, life is about living for Jesus. How many knows if you have the son? Am I preaching to foreigners? When you have the son, you have life. If you don't have him, you don't have life. I don't care how rich you are, how successful you are. You're a dead man waiting for your heart to quit so you can go to hell. But when you got Jesus, you got eternal life. Come on, does anybody feel like shouting right there? I said, you got eternal life. I look over my congregation every Sunday, and I'm reminded, and especially on Memorial Day, of those who've gone on. They're with Jesus today. Their body's out there in a grave somewhere waiting for that trumpet to sound, for that thing that was sown corruptible to get up incorruptible, that was sown mortal to get up immortal. Come on, that that went down with cancer is going to come up with a body that's going to live forever. Come on, somebody help me preach right there. Amen. And uh, we need to need to know that we have to have faith that keeps us to the end. Heroes over, overcome obstacles. Now, when David got there, he had, to, he had to endure the ridicule, the disdain of his own brother. The scripture said in verse 28 that Eliab, his oldest brother, heard David talking to the man, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and, and he began to slur him. He said, Why, why'd you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Do you hear the sarcasm in that? You're a, you're a shepherd. You should be dealing with sheep. You, you know, you're a sheep herder. You should be. We're soldiers. You're just a sheep herder. We're out here to fight. No, you're out there to cower like a coward and hide. That's what they were doing. Can you say amen? And uh, then he said, I know your pride. I know the naughtiness. Don't you love it when people think they can judge you? He, he went beyond what he thought about David and started judging his heart. I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart, for you've just come down that you might see the battle. David's a little more reserved than me. I look at him and say, what battle? I don't see no battle. I hear a bunch of shaking in your armor, a bunch of rattling going on, a bunch of sissies. But David had his focus on something else. Can you say amen? David said what? The next verse, verse 29. What? Have I now done? So when he says, what have I now done? I, I got the feeling this guy's always been picking on David. Always criticizing him. Called him a shepherd boy. He probably got mad the night Samuel came to the house to anoint the next king and bypassed him and the rest of them and waited until they brought the kid, the shepherd, out of the field. David said, what have I now done? Amen. Is there not a cause? Listen, David understood he had overcome this obstacle. And he turned away from his own brother and turned back and started talking again. What's going to happen to the guy that kills this giant? Well, 
The king's going to make him rich. Woo, that's pretty good encouragement. And the king's going to let him marry his daughter. That might be good. It might not be good. <laughs> you say amen. <laughs> but the king's also going to give his entire family tax exemption. Oh, hallelujah. I'm in. Can you say amen? I'm ready to go fight now. But really what David was saying is this. I'm not concerned about the money, the woman, or the tax exemption. I'm concerned about the fact that there's a heathen standing out there defying the army of the living God. Are you understanding me? So you had to overcome that obstacle. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 54, the scripture said when he came to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue in so much that they were astonished that they began to say, where does this man have these mighty works and this wisdom? And then they said, is not this the carpenter's son? Kind of like, sounds like, aren't you the little shepherd boy? Isn't this just the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Amen. Are, are they not with us? And, and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know, they, they were saying, and they were, look at verse 57, and uh, uh, they were offended at him, at Jesus. They, they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, amen, save in his own country and in his own house. And, and the scripture goes on and says in verse 58, because of their attitude, he did not many works there because of their unbelief. So there's always gonna be obstacles to what we're doing for God. He had to overcome the weight of Israel's failures of their being turned away from God and following a man who wouldn't obey God. And so he had to overcome, he had to bear the weight of their failures and, and Saul tries to put his armor on David. Can I tell you something? One of the, one of the greatest, uh, one of the hardest things to overcome, and I always tell young preachers or people who are called into ministry this, is sometimes one of the hardest things to overcome is people trying to put their limitations on you. Don't misunderstand me. I believe we need counsel. We need, to be, we need to be wise and we need to be taught and we need instruction and there's wisdom in many counselors. But sometimes people who've let their own restrictions cause them to fail will try to put the same restrictions on you. That's what's happening here. He tries to put his armor on David and his coat of mail weighed, his coat of mail weighed almost as much as David's, Goliath's coat of mail weighed almost as much as David did. But Saul's trying to put his armor and his coat of mail on him. And he puts his sword on David. And David, it says in verse 39, essayed to go or he tried to go. And he hadn't proved it. He didn't know how to use it. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. And literally says that David put them off. He laid aside the failures of his predecessor. And then he had to face the intimidation of a powerful enemy. A man nine feet nine and a half inches tall according to biblical accounting. The scripture said the Philistine came in verse 41 drew near to David and the man that bare the shield went before him and the Philistine looked at David and he disdained him which means he disregarded him. He looked at him and said you're nothing. Just when you think you're about to be a champion for Jesus there's going to be some devil going to tell you you're nothing. Amen. And he disdained him because he was a youth and ruddy and fair countenance and smooth skinned. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? And the Philistine then, he cursed David by his gods. 
now the battle is on. And he said to David, come to me, I'm going to give your flesh to the fowls, the air, the beasts of the field. And then said David to the Philistine, well, you've come to me with a sword, with a spear, a shield. You've challenged me, in other words, in the name of your gods, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Today, verse 46, the Lord's going to deliver you into my hand. I'm going to smite you. I'm going to take your head off. I'm going to give your carcass to the host of the Philistines and to your, uh, the, today and to the fowls of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all may know that there is a God in Israel. I'm going to tell you something. Goliath didn't get scared. He just got mad. But David's about to overcome all of this. You hear me? That's what heroes do. And he said, David said, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's. If we're going to do anything for God in this day, we're going to have to understand that the battle is the Lord's. All he needs is willing vessels. Last thing I want to tell you about heroes is they share the spoils. I love this. They share the spoils. The scripture said after Goliath failed. David took his own sword, cut his head off. The children of Israel returned from the Philistines, started to run. The children of Israel chased them. They, they, they killed them. They fought them. They ran off. And the scripture said in verse 53, they, they, the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and spoiled their tents, took their goods. But David just took, in verse 54, the head of the Philistine, carried it back to Jerusalem with him. I mean, what he was carrying was more than what he could gather up out of their tents. What he was carrying was his ticket to greatness. It was the greatest victory they'd ever seen. He's, carry, he's walking into town carrying this guy. This guy's head must have weighed 50 pounds. Are you hearing me? And his sword and his shield, and David's got it all on him. And he's coming back in there. I can see him walking into town. He's got this ugly brute's head. He's carrying it. I want you all to get a vivid picture of that in your mind. He took it to a place and, and buried it outside the eastern gate of Jerusalem. And they called that hill Gol-Goliath. And later they called it Golgotha. Hold up, I saw you didn't hear me. It's where the cross stood. And when Jesus hung on the cross, the son of David was standing and hanging over the victory that David won over Goliath. Amen. Heroes share the spoils. Can you say amen? And the Bible said in verse 56, Saul said, inquire whose son this stripling is. Of course, me reading it, noted, I want to shout at him and say, he's your replacement, Bubba. <laughs> and David returned from the slaughter of the Philistines and Abner took him and brought him to Saul. Look, here it is again. Brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. I want you to know I'm more than a singer, more than a psalmist, more than one that can soothe your tormented spirit. I'm a hero. I'm a champion. I've delivered our nation today. And Saul said, who are you, young man? And David said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. And he probably said, so write his taxes off. We need heroes today. There's been heroes in my life that when I was a young man, 
and I turned away from God, and I was in that world. At one time in my life, I was drinking liquor every night and every day. I was living in a bad place, but there was always a reminder in my head that there were some people that walked this way before me that I was letting down. I was disappointing. Those were heroes. Can you say amen? And one day I met the champion, the champion of all champions. And the Bible said he, Jesus, divided the spoil. He conquered death. He conquered Satan. He's conquered the grave. And he's divided the spoil with us. We get to reap the benefits of his victory. He's our hero. Can you say amen? And I want people to see Jesus in you. I want them to be able to say when they see you in the workplace or in that school or wherever it is, that hospital, wherever you're working at, that they can look at you and say, right there's somebody that knows the secret. There's somebody that's got victory over all this stuff we're all having to face. That's a champion. Can you say amen? Stand with me. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, for people that have walked this way before us, that walk this path now, that show us what it means to serve the Lord in the beauty of holiness, to not compromise or not be caught up in what the world thinks we should be, not to let men restrict us and restrain us by their failed notions, but to walk out in the power of the Spirit and be more than a conqueror. If we're more than conquerors, then Satan's more than beat. If we're more than conquerors, then the things that's trying to undo America don't have a chance if the church will just rise up and be champions. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to look this way. I'm standing here today and years have went by in my life. I told the young man on the phone yesterday, I said, many years ago I heard the Happy Goodman sing a song that said, I don't regret a mile, I've traveled for the Lord. And I said, for 43 years, going on 44, I said, I've walked this way. I've lived this life. I said, I've served God. And I said, there's been hills and valleys. There's been struggles and intimidations and mountains and problems. There's been some days I laid my head on the pillow that night and wasn't very, very well satisfied with the day that I had given God. You hear me? There's been times that, that I've looked back and said that was a failure. And I repented and said, God, tomorrow will be different. I'll do better. And you might say, well, I don't understand that. That's just what heroes do. And I'm not, I'm not telling you I'm a hero. I'm not telling you I'm anything other than a man trying to be faithful to the one who called me. And one day, I'll stand before him, and the books will be opened. And the Bible said I'll be judged at the judgment seat of Christ according to the deeds that I've done in this body since I've been saved. Whether they were good or whether they were not. Brother Junior, it says that our works will be tried like fire at that day, that day of the, at the judgment seat of Christ. Only Christians go to the judgment seat of Christ. Sinners go to the white throne judgment. And we're sitting at the judgment seat of Christ and he's judging the works we've done. And some of our works will just burn up like wood, hay, and stubble because we didn't do a very good job. But some of our works are going to be, come through the, like a refiner's fire like gold and silver because we were faithful to God 
And he's going to take that gold and silver and fashion a crown of glory and put it on our heads. That's the crown we get to take off and cast at his feet to honor him. He'll give us a crown of life. We get to keep that one. But that crown of glory, we get to cast it at his feet. And so today, I thank the Lord for those men and women who walked this way before me. Oh, if I wanted to, I could have took a, a microscope and microscoped their life and found faults and flaws and been disappointed in a few things. But when I look back over the past, I don't see the valleys. I see the mountaintops. I see the victories because that's what God wants us to remember. We're champions, can you say? The world needs us. How many believe that? One day we're going to be gone and somebody's going to be standing in our place and talking about the example that we left them. Whether it's your child or your grandchild or some church member or somebody you did business with in the public. They're going to say, that was a man of God. That was, someone, that, that was a good person. They really walked out their faith. Amen. Those are heroes. Heroes of the past. You know, I've said this. I say a lot of things to young preachers and people in ministry trying to inspire them. I tell them, I say, all of us have got gifts. Some of us, some of us develop those gifts. Some don't. And uh, we use those gifts to serve the Lord or to serve the world. I have to give an account for them. The gifts and callings are without repentance. God doesn't take them back. A gift is something you use. But calling... Now, that's what you give your life for. And heroes understand the difference between a gift and a calling. Heroes give their lives. They go to that battlefield, soldiers. And they say, because my life is worth it to preserve this. That's what we're doing, amen? Can I challenge you to be a hero today? Can I challenge you to live a life so close to God that it affects the world. I'm not just trying to get to heaven. I'm trying to leave a legacy here of being a, of being a world changer. Does anybody else want to do that? Amen. Every, every, every meal we feed, every cup of water we give, every sermon we preach, every song we sing, Brother Nick, every note we play, every class we teach, everything we do, every time we do what's right. They had it on the sign, I think it was here last week, that the world sees what we do, but God sees why we do it. That's our motivation. Amen. Can I challenge you today? First of all, if you're not a Christian, will you come give your life to Jesus this morning? Secondly, if you are, will you come and dedicate yourself to being a hero? Can I Can I just say, you know, how many remembers the old posters they used to have? Uncle Sam needs you. Well, I hear God saying, I need you. And said I hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.